Luke 15. And today I want to minister on this thought. What was the purpose of Jesus on the earth? The purpose of Jesus on the earth. Or in other words, another way of maybe saying it is we're going to talk today about who Jesus is. One thing that the Holy Spirit has really been dealing with me about over these last few months is, and I shared this in a couple of my sermons, I think mainly on Wednesday night, although probably maybe shared it briefly on a Sunday morning, is the Lord speaks to me in unusual ways. Does anybody uh, testify to that? Just some unusual ways that the Lord and actually brought back to memory of a Charlie Brown cartoon I watched one time. And in the cartoon, Charlie Brown's shooting his arrow, and he would shoot it at a, at a, if I recall correctly, it was a wooden wall. And when the arrow would stick in, he would walk up to it, and he would draw a circle around where he hit. And, of course, Lucy was always there to give Charlie Brown a hard time. So she starts to chastise him and say, that's not the way it works. You're supposed to draw the circle first and aim for the circle. So one thing that the Lord has really been dealing with me about is who... He is calling Christian Center Church to reach. So my main point this morning is when you find out who Jesus is, when you walk closely with Him, you begin to understand the purpose for which He was sent and why He was sent, not only to die for our sins, of course, to be able to come into faith in what He did upon the cross and to live a life pleasing to Him according to the Word. But i got something to tell you this morning that is incredibly important that the Lord's just pressing on my heart in this season, is He came to seek and save that which was lost. Everybody say lost. lost. So that tells us something very important this morning. There are lost and there are saved, Right? We speak in Christianese a lot, don't we? If you've been in church a long time, your vocabulary just becomes something that the normal everyday person cannot even relate to or understand. Because I'm telling you, we're living in a world where people don't realize that you're, there, there's only two groups of people that exist, saved and lost. Lost means you are separated from God and you're on your way to hell. Amen? Saved means you've come into covenant relationship with God through faith in the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. You've committed your life to Him. And as you walk closer to Him and learn His Word and become the Christian that He wants you to be, the follower He wants you to be, your heart begins to get naturally pointed to the same things that Jesus was pointed to. And He came, in Luke 19 it talks about, He came for one express purpose, to seek and save that which was lost. We're going to look at Luke 15 here in a few minutes, but let me just, here's how I kind, of, I kind of broke this down to talk to you about today. To understand why he came and the purpose of Jesus on the earth, it's really important to sometimes go back to the very beginning of his ministry. Of course, was 30 years old. We know a few things about the Lord through the Gospels. 12 years old, he was teaching in the temple, and they were amazed at his wisdom. We know his birth narrative. We know his virgin birth. We know he was born of a virgin and grew up in wisdom and stature and found favor with God and man. We know all those things about him. But everybody say rabbi this morning. It's important to understand that in first century Jewish culture, they were all, every young person, every kid, that was born into the Jewish culture, they had one goal and one goal alone. It wasn't to be a fisherman. It wasn't to be a carpenter. It wasn't to be a tax collector. It wasn't any of those things. Young Jewish boys had one purpose and one purpose alone. They wanted to be a teacher of God's law. They wanted to be a teacher of the Torah. So each and every kid at that time would have begun training to memorize 
from, from the time you're six years old, if you could learn the book of Leviticus before six years old, then you graduated up to the next level. And today I want to talk about Jesus as the rabbi, because if we understand Jesus as the teacher, if we understand what purpose that he came to earth for, it will help us, again, hone in on the people God's trying to utilize us to reach. I got news for you this morning, good news, but also sobering news. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and we are called to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus. Church, we get caught up in so many other things that sometimes we need mornings like this morning and my desires just refocus us on what God is doing and saying and what he wants us to do to hit the bullseye. And that's to energize and engage a congregation such as this to remember the most important thing that we can do, and that's to share our faith with other people. Amen? Amen. Stay in Luke 15, but Matthew 4, verse 18 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. You know, that, that's not a very compelling sales pitch, is it? Come, follow me. That, that just doesn't seem. But and then in Mark chapter 2, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Le- Levi got up and followed him. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, I pray that as we're here in your presence, that we would hear your voice the voice of the precious Holy Spirit, speaking to our hearts, changing our lives. Father, as always, anything that's said of me, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever is said, under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, Father, may it go into the hearts of these people here today and those online. Father, may your anointing reside here. May you teach us and lead us into all truth through your holy word today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Jesus is walking along, and this is important to understand, as I mentioned, that all young people would have wanted to grow up and be a rabbi. The thing about that is that to put it in today's vernacular or something we can more easily understand, it would be like a football player as a young kid in peewee football having a desire and a goal to make it to the NFL. There's millions of kids that play football throughout their lifetime but only hundreds make it to the level of the NFL. So to actually be a rabbi, to be somebody that people look to, to teach them God's law in the culture that Jesus came and was born into, and of course the, the, the Old Testament lays all these things out, but to come into that place in the, Old, in, in the New Testament as we see Jesus is walking and he's calling his disciples. And I want to just... I want to just lay this out before you today at the very beginning. Jesus has called you to walk closely with him. I mean, that is not a compelling sales pitch. Follow me. Follow me. Until you understand that that is how rabbis who had authority, everybody say authority. Authority. That's how rabbis would come along and they would call. Now, the interesting thing about this is in the first century, every boy grew up wanting to be a rabbi. It was the highest position and the greatest honor. And 
To be a rabbi, you had to memorize Leviticus by the age of six. How many think they could recite the whole book of Leviticus before six? Amen. Me either. I'm just saying. And so from six to 12, so if you were able to do that, you graduated from course one. There was five courses as they taught rabbis. They graduated from course one to course, help me out. Thank you. You guys are listening so far. And then from 6 to 12, you had to memorize the entire Torah. So you memorize Leviticus from 6 to 12. If you were able to memorize the entire Torah, then they would come along. It kind of, listen, it kind of adds more in today as I set the stage for who Jesus is and why he came, which are the two most important questions you could ask other than what do I need to do to be saved? Amen? Amen. Set the stage a little bit. You understand as you see these snippets of Jesus' life that are laid out in the gospel, that it, from 6 to 12, if you were able to be able to memorize all of those, then that was, that was, that was uh, class 2 of becoming a rabbi from 6 to 12. You memorize that? And they would come along and they would see something, what they felt was something special in a handful of the kids. And it, it lends a little bit more because if you were a good rabbi, it didn't mean that you could answer all the questions necessarily. It meant that you could ask a lot of good questions. How many, how many know it's good to ask good questions sometimes? It's good to seek God. It's good to seek his truth. But it shows us it, in the Gospels where at 12 years old, where was Jesus? The, his family left and he's back at the temple doing what? They were amazed at the wisdom and the stature that he carried and the ability to ask questions. So you go from 12 all the way up to 30, and that was an 18-year course of you studied very closely with your rabbi, your teacher, the one that you walked with every single day. And as you're walking with this rabbi and this teacher, you begin to look like them, you begin to walk like them, you begin to talk like them. You begin to literally be what, what the Bible describes as literally they, you would be covered in their dust. The reason they were covered in the dust is it was a high honor to be one of the students that would walk really closely to the main teacher in that rabbi. And as they got closer to him, the dust that he would walk. And as he's, he's teaching and they're traveling from place to place and they're walking closely to him, it would have been an honor to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Church, I got something simple to say to you right here off the bat, that if Christianity was outlawed in the United States of America, there should be something that people are looking at to say they've been with Jesus. Amen. Because it would have been an honor. They wouldn't have tried to dust themselves off if they would have left their teacher and gone into the synagogue. They would have said, look, I'm covered in the teaching of my rabbi. Now, here's the important thing, and this is what I want you to get right here in the beginning, is that only a a few rabbis every two to three generations would come along and have something called smika. Everybody say smika. Smika is the word for authority in the Bible. It means this rabbi has an authority that we recognize in him and you should be able to listen to him because what rabbis taught their students, they would come along and they would just... Now, where would you go if you were looking for the best and the brightest young students 
to be able to call them and say, follow me and I'm going to be your rabbi. I'm going to be your teacher for the next 18 years. You're going to walk like me. You're going to talk like me. You're going to, you're going to dress like me. They knew which rabbi certain students followed because of the way that they walked. Now, it's important to understand when Jesus comes on the scene, they said about him that you don't teach like the other teachers. You are one that teaches with authority or the word smika. That word is so important because we need to understand that when Jesus came on the scene. Now, what is it that gave somebody authority according to culture, history, the books that we can read regarding Judaism of which we are grafted in? What is it? that we can look at and and kind of hone in on what they considered somebody that, in other words, they would teach a yoke. Everybody say yoke. Is it okay if I teach you for just a little bit? Listen clearly. A yoke was a teaching that your rabbi gave you that he would put a heavier weight on certain parts of the law that he would be teaching you. These are the things that you need to walk by. These are the things you really need to focus on. It's the reason Jesus would look at people, and especially lawyers, teachers of the law that would come to him with questions. He would say things like what? He would say, what is your reading of it? In other words, what's your, what's your yoke? And they recognized in Jesus that he had authority. Now, to be a rabbi, to be a teacher of the law with authority... You had to have two witnesses confirm your authority. Jesus goes to get baptized, right? Mm -hmm. He comes down into the water. John the Baptist says, as one witness, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then you get a voice from heaven. Everybody following me. Confirming that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And another time, listen to him, he says on the Mount of Transfiguration. So it's God's confirmation that my son has come into the world and we can learn his yoke. But what did he say about his yoke? It's easy and it's light. I came to tell you this morning that following Jesus may be the most difficult thing you ever do, but it's also the easiest thing you'll ever do. Because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. When you start, it's, 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 it's my estimation as I even read the account of Jesus going down into the water and being baptized. He comes back up. He's driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. No food, no water. The devil comes along. But it's interesting, I believe, as we're talking about why Jesus came, He came to seek and save that that which was lost. We take His yoke of authority upon us because we are His disciples. We follow Him in the way, and we get so caught up in so many things of life and problems and issues and things going on, even inside the church, we get caught up in, are they going to have another potluck, because I really like the potlucks, or are we going to have another event for the men, or are we going to do this for the women? Can we just back up and say, let's get the heart of Jesus, let's get, let's get the, the, the yoke of the Lord. In understanding that He has called His people to be a light in the world. We are given the oil of the Holy Spirit, not for ourselves, but for the world around us that's dying and going to hell. Sometimes we just need to shake ourselves and wake ourselves up, including myself, as I mentioned in the beginning, of just honing in to 
who Jesus is and the simplicity of what he's called us to do. He's called us to be a light. Amen? Jesus knew why he came, but it's my supposition that he didn't necessarily know who the Father was sending him to because it's when he comes out of the wilderness, out of being tested, out of being tried, out of being tempted... He comes out of there, it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what's on the other side of your temptation and your test and your fire and your trial? The power of the Holy Spirit will be upon you. You get all the way through that. And you're going to come out with new smika. You're going to come out with new authority. You're going to come out with a new understanding of who your God is. But he comes out of that and immediately goes into the synagogue. One of the reasons we knew that Jesus was a teacher is because they called him rabbi. But he was able to get up in the temple on that day he walks in. And listen, it was a large scroll, and it was the book of Isaiah, one of the most beautiful poetic books that exists in your Bible. The book of Isaiah is amazing in its beauty and its messianic prophecies about who Messiah would be. And he unrolls that, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me, to preach the good news, amen? amen. To, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to see blinded eyes open, and to reach the poor. Now back to Jesus calling his disciples. If you were a fisherman or a carpenter or a tax collector, all of which Jesus called in those verses we just read, if you were any of those people, it meant that at about 12 years old, they would have looked at you, kind of explains why Jesus was kind of missing in action from 12 to 30. Everybody following me? Yes. Okay. So if you were doing that, it meant that you were told that you were disqualified. Amen? You're not going to quite cut it as a teacher. You're not going to quite cut it. Has anybody ever told you, you know, I know your lifestyle and I know your past history. You're not going to really cut it as a Christian. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Because in this story, he comes around and it's an amazing story. Because they just walk by and he's like, follow me. But that's how they chose. They would have understood this. They are now grown men who have been told, you're not going to cut it as a rabbi. So go fish or go do carpentry. Go back to your trade that your father has taught you. Because you're not going to quite cut it. I want to tell you the group of people that I have in front of me, just the group of people, even with as many out sick, we could turn Homo Sassa upside down if we heard the call, follow me. And then when I say Jesus is calling you to follow him closer, most of you have a natural thought, well, I can't because of these things in my life. Listen, if he could call Peter, James, and John in a tax I mean, that would have been the very first thing that they would have had to overcome because when he calls the first four, they're by a lake, right? When he calls the fifth one, they're by a lake. Right. These are fishermen who he called the tax collector at the same place he called the fishermen. What did that mean? The tax collector had been taking advantage of the fishermen collecting taxes for years. So he said, okay, your first test is can you forgive each other, <laughs> right? But Jesus came with authority. They recognized it. They said, you don't teach like everybody else. What, what is your yoke that you are putting upon the people? The oil that God has given us is not just for your own blessing. It is so that we could walk through this world and be able to walk so close. Because the, one of the honors was, is if you were covered in the dust of your rabbi, they followed, there would be a line leader. There would be one that was a little bit closer to the main teacher. It also explains to us why Jesus said, when you go into a town and they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. Mm -hmm. Jesus never contradicted himself. 
So when Jesus taught, love your enemies, amen? Amen. Pray for those who persecute you, amen? Amen. He's teaching them His yoke. He's teaching what life in the kingdom looks like, the Beatitudes and the way that He taught. So it wasn't incongruent with what He had already taught because we get the picture of, yeah, if they don't like you, then just shake that dust off your feet and just curse and just... ah." He wasn't saying that. He's saying you can leave somewhat of the blessing of following me even in a place that doesn't accept you because even by leaving, listen to me, even by leaving that blessing, there's going to be something grow out of it. Are you following me? It's amazing when you really see the true picture of how beautiful Jesus is. Now, to to teach a new yoke, which 99.9% of any rabbis were never allowed to teach a new yoke, when they followed their rabbi, they would come out of following that teacher, and they would teach exactly like that teacher taught. They would look like him, they would walk like him, they would teach like him. Only two, three, four generations would somebody come on the scene as a rabbi that they looked and said, they have authority. They can teach their own yoke. What was the te- but to have a yoke that carried on into the future generations, to have a yoke to, that carried on into future generations, that yoke had to be tested. Everybody say tested. What was the test of the yoke that Jesus taught? If Jesus said, forgive... If Jesus said bless instead of curse, if Jesus said, if you want to know what my yoke is, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Right. So what was the test that Jesus showed that showed that his yoke was the one that we as his disciples and followers would follow? It's the cross, amen? amen? If he could hang on a cross being crucified by the hands of men... And say from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Heard a story one time of a lighthouse operator. It was a hundred years ago. It was back when lighthouses operated by oil. And the lighthouse operator had a cask of oil that they would bring to him out on this remote place where there was a lot of rocky cliffs. And it was very important, obviously, to keep the lighthouse lit so boats wouldn't crash on the rocks below. So... One day, this lady walks by with her two little kids, and she's walking by, and she says, Sir, I've lost my husband. I don't know how we're going to light and heat the house. So he goes into his store. He gives a little away. And the next few days pass by, and a man goes passing by in his horse and carriage, and he had a wheel that wasn't operating right. It needed some oil. So the lighthouse operator goes, I'll go get you some oil. gives the oil away. Well, towards the end of the month, there's only three days left before he gets a fresh shipment of oil. The light goes out. And two boats crashed on the rocks right below there because they couldn't see the danger that was ahead. And so when investigators came along to investigate, they began to ask questions. He said, hey, I was just trying to help by giving this away. And they said, sir, the oil was given for one purpose and one purpose alone, to keep the light burning. Are you following me this morning? What we have been given is Jesus as our teacher, as the one that we follow closely. How do we follow him? You follow him through the power of the Holy Spirit. You may think you're disqualified from sharing your faith this morning. Let me tell you, God is an expert at taking the unqualified, thrown away, what people think are the useless ones of the world and society, and making them his trophy of grace. Making him, making them the ones where he says, what did he say? What is he still saying today to you here this morning? What is he still saying to me right here this morning? What is he still saying to the world 
community, the, the community that you come in contact with every day. He's saying, come, follow me. And they laid everything down in that moment. Can you imagine going home to your wife? Where, where are you going? I don't know. When are you going to be back? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. But when you really hear the voice of Jesus in your spirit says, come, follow me closer, there is nothing that you would give away or trade that would ever amount to following Him into all truth. Nothing. He is so awesome and incredible and beautiful. Amen? Amen. I mean, I could see leaving your wife, but they left their boats, y'all. I mean, think about that for just a minute. I can see that. <laughs> Who is Jesus? He takes the disqualified and places his yoke upon us. And we learn of him through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. Do you know when you pick up that Bible and open it, you're reading a book that the author is still alive and present with you? He's there. He's there to teach you and lead you into all truth. Another little story that you see this in action is the woman caught in adultery, right? right. It's, it's the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booze, so they would have been staying out in tents at the time, so this probably whole situation probably took place in a tent where this group of Pharisees and religious leaders are walking by, and then when they bring her to Jesus, because what you had to do is bring somebody accused of something like this to somebody with smika. Uh-huh. You had to bring it to a rabbi with authority, and they knew Jesus had authority given by God the Father. So they, what do they do? They bring her and they throw her down, and they begin to accuse her. And she ends up in the wrong tent. And what did the law say? The law said, stone her, right? Uh-huh. That's what the law says. So they had to find a rabbi with what? Authority. So they and Jesus are like, well, what's the yoke? Does he want to stone the lady? No. But does Jesus have to follow the law? Yes. So the law says stone her. But he's saying, I also have authority. And they knew this. So he's saying, here's my yoke. Let me teach it to you. So he gets down and starts to write. We don't know what he wrote. I I don't know, you don't know, it's all speculation, and we won't do that this morning. But he said, let me give you my yoke. My yoke is only way you can throw a stone at her is if you're perfect yourself. And everybody gets tired of holding the stones, don't they? Listen, some of you need to get tired of holding the stones. We're not put here to throw stones at the world. We're here to show them who Jesus Christ is. Because I do not believe that this world does not, is not hungry for a clear presentation of the truth of God's word. But we get covered in the dust of our denomination. And we get covered in the dust of what grandma and grandpa taught. And we get covered in the dust of religion. And let's shake that off this morning and see a true picture of Jesus' heart. Jesus couldn't make her sin go away. So he made her accusers go away. How genius is our God and our Lord Jesus Christ? I'm telling you right now. Because, why do I say that? Because you had to have two witnesses to stone her. What did he say? Woman, where are your accusers? 
Where are your accusers? He says, neither do I condemn you. It's a new yoke he's teaching. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We get that backwards, don't we? Yes. Go and sin no more or I'm going to condemn you, right? right? Don't get that backwards. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Can I tell you this morning, it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's the yoke of our rabbi. So in this instance, Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Then says, go and sin no more. So Jesus said, keep my command and here's my command. Love one another. And church, that doesn't just mean the people that act like you and look like you and talk like you and the people sitting on the pew with you this morning or the chairs this morning. That means the people that God's wanting us to reach. The purpose of Jesus, you were given the oil of the precious Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, for one main purpose, so that you can be activated and empowered to reach the lost. Everybody say, reach the lost. Reach the lost. Look down at Luke 15, and we're going to talk about this and break this down. Luke 15 is one of my favorite chapters, although I have a lot of them. Because it shows us, in Luke 19.10, he says that this is, the, this is the purpose for which the Son of God was manifested, to, to seek and save that which was lost. But here in Luke 15, verse 1, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So get this amazing picture here. Jesus is teaching and preaching. The quote-unquote sinners had gathered around to hear the words of Jesus. And again, we need to get the lie out of our heads that the world doesn't want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. When they truly get the light bulb on and they have a moment of revelation and the blinders are removed, it's the most glorious news you will ever hear. That you're lost and now you're found. That I was a sinner and now I'm saved. Not because of something so wonderful that you are, but because of how good He is. Don't lose the power of this, this the, the, what it's saying right here in the very beginning when Jesus goes into giving the parables, the three parables. He talks about the lost sheep, one of 99. He then goes on and talks about the necklace, the coin. And in that culture, you would have had a 10-coin necklace that would have been very precious. Can I tell you something this morning? The people that I'm talking to you about are precious to God. If you're like me, I have to fight that urge to look at some people and say they must be cousins <laughs> certainly aren't children lord amen come on yes. it's the truth we look at people and we should never demean their value to our heavenly father amen. because they have value so but look at the picture here this is important the church people were muttering and complaining so much that people couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. And I wonder if our churches haven't gone down that road to where we get so complaining and muttering that the world out there isn't listening to what God and Jesus wants to say to them because the church is so busy just complaining all the time. Come on, somebody. In other words, they were talking while Jesus was talking. They were being critical and they were being disrespectful of the fact that Jesus had a laser-like focus. Jesus is baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
He's walking in authority. He's teaching in the synagogues. He's seeing people come from all over. He's healing the lame. He's healing the sick. He is fulfilling Isaiah. And he's a teacher with authority, with the, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching these things. And he was so laser-like focused that they misunderstood what he was doing. I would like to have a church where people on the outside misunderstand what we're doing because so many people are being reached. Amen? Bullseye. It's not shooting an air and hoping you hit it. It's understanding that if I can activate you to go out and begin to reach the one, we can make a difference in our community. Why were they muttering and complaining? They no longer had a love for God's word, and they never obtained his heart for the lost. Can I tell you what will keep you from muttering and complaining and being somebody that's so inward focused that we lose our outward focus? It's getting focused on the fact that we still have a job to do. Yes. That will keep you. In other words, you've heard this and it's the truth. You don't have time to rock the boat if you're rowing it. If you're engaged with a laser-like focus of who Jesus is and what he came to do, which is to seek and save that which was lost, and you're saying, well, that's Jesus. Guess what, honey? He called you and gave you the commission. It's not the great suggestion. It's called the Great Commission, church. And not just in this community, but all around the world and the missionaries that we support every single month through your tithes and offerings. We tithe 10% over into missions and the offerings go towards them and and supporting our missionaries. So I just want to lay out there again, our commitment to not only reaching our community, but reaching the world for Jesus Christ. The mission trip that we have coming up next year, I encourage you to pray about that. We want to be a church that is outward focused, not inward grumbling. Does that make sense? Because we need to figure out real quick, are we part of the noise that keeps people out or are we part of the mission that is about bringing people in? Amen? And it's against this backdrop of the religious mutter, murmuring and complaining that Jesus tells these three stories. Famous, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Anybody ever lost anything? Yes. Of course. <laughs> you know, the, the, the lengths that you will go to recover something lost is directly tied to the value that you assign to what you lost. I lose things all the time. Matter of fact, I'm in a season the last four days. I can't find my sunglasses. And it's just bugging me. And I blame Leah, and that didn't work. And I blame the kids. And they said, Dad, we don't know what you're talking about. But at one time, Leah lost the engagement ring that I gave her. Probably about, I think we were married probably three years. We were still in the mission field. But I believe Hudson was really little. Of course, we tried to, she tried to blame him. I'm like, don't blame that babe. He's only three. Come on. <laughs> but listen to me. She was convinced that it was in the, in the dryer, that she had left it in like a pocket or took it off to wash her hands or do something. She had me convinced that that thing had gotten into the dryer and then gotten inside of the dryer. So she talked me into taking the dryer apart. There's one problem with taking the dryer apart. I don't know how to put it back together. I do not. She actually had me, she actually had me take it apart twice. I just remembered that. Several years later in 2016, we flooded. I, I was able, with a friend's help, two friends actually, come over and help me put it back together. Started working. No ring in that thing. We flooded, so it took our dryer and literally in the floodwaters turned it upside down, so it was completely ruined. Had a friend drag it out to the curb where they were going to haul it away. And I was standing there just thinking to myself, what if that ring is in there? 
So I, I tore it apart again. Still never found that ring. But he is saying here that my purpose is to seek and save that which was lost. And what is lost is very precious to me. Look at, look at verse 3 this morning. So he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until, everybody say until, until. he finds it. Let that sink in for a minute. Does he not leave the ninety-nine until he finds it? So think about this. He leaves the sheep in a vulnerable place. He, he doesn't have another shepherd, it says, to leave them with. He leaves them as the shepherd in the safest place possible. But listen to me, and this is my point. He's just as concerned with the folks out there, is what he's saying, is the ones who are right here in front of me. Because, he is, he, because they, were, they were attracted to the word of God that was coming through Jesus. Because his yoke, his teaching was easy and light, and they were trying to obey 630-some laws down to straining out a gnat and dividing this down to the, the nearest degree, and it was a heavy yoke upon the people, and Jesus came to liberate them. He said that in Isaiah when he rolled open the scroll. He said, I've come with good news. I came with good news this morning that Jesus is still willing to leave us here right now today to go out and find that one that he is looking and searching for because God never stops searching for lost souls and he has commissioned his church to come with him. I want to tell you this, it's hard and it's risky to be a church that that fights the urge to get so self-absorbed and focused that it's all about me and it's all about what I can get out of it and it's all about what I can try to get out of church and what is this ministry for me. Let me just tell you if you're visiting here this morning, I'm not concerned about what we can offer you. I'm concerned about what you can offer God by way of being a disciple that follows Him closely and does the work of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. In other words, it's, it's all, we come to church, it's about, all about what I need. And of course we have ministries, we have all kinds of ministries. But one thing that I've noticed, and I've shared this before, one thing I noticed that just like Jesus had to deal with, with religious murmuring people, religious murmuring people, when you start to see people who are sinners start to come in to the church, then we get a little uptight, don't we? Yeah. Wow, they don't look like maybe I want to. I know a church that started a, a rehab ministry. And they went to the pastor and they said, I want to sit by those people. Those people. You are those people. You see, the Pharisees never got it because they're saying, oh, look at all these sinners coming around Jesus. It's like, wait, buddy, what are you? If I can't tell you anything, if you don't listen to anything else I say this morning, listen to this one statement. We are all lost and divided from God. You're born that way. And Jesus' free gift is an invitation to come into relationship with Him through faith. Through the confession of our mouth. And then you begin to follow Him and you're getting that dust. Mm -hmm. You're getting that dust, that teaching. You're walking with Him. You're talking with Him. You're reading His Word. You're being discipled. And if it never, the light bulb never goes on that one of God's main points for you to get is that if he's willing to leave the 99 to go after the one, how much more should we be willing to give up whatever it is that we have going on to be able to just reach into somebody's life? And it says he searched until. 
So we need to have a heart of until. How long do I, how long do I witness to this person? How long do I pray for him? I believe it was George Mueller who wrote a, wrote a beautiful book on prayer. And uh, prayed for this one particular man his entire life. And I may be getting this wrong, but I'm, I'm about 75% sure it was George Mueller. But it's such an impactful story. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. I'm saying this to encourage some of you that have been praying for loved ones for not just months, but decades. God is faithful. He will continue. I love this, and you can be assured of this. It says that he will seek for that one that's lost until he puts them, let's think about that. He puts them back up on his shoulders and carries them back into the fold. It doesn't say that he beat them with the shepherd's rod the whole time. What he was saying is, I will take the burden of carrying them back because these are sheep that are lost and they don't want to be lost. You understand the world out there, they don't have any clue because we have preached the gospel in such a way that they don't see it. Amen? Amen? If we get back to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world... That he gave his best, and he wants us to give our best. We give up too easy, don't we? So George Mueller has prayed for this person all those decades. And literally, according to the, the book, the man he had been praying for knelt down beside his casket as it was being lowered into the ground. He died and passed away thinking that that prayer that he had prayed all those decades for this special friend, family member, I can't remember exactly which it is, this man with tears dripping down onto the casket being lowered into the ground gave his life to Christ in that moment. God is willing to leave. Jesus is saying, I'm willing to leave the 99 for that one. My question for you this morning is simple, but it's powerful. Who's the one? Because let me tell you this, as a church, if we... Forget that there's the one that God wants to reach. Then we get complacent. Mm-hmm. And, and think of this story. The first parable he gives, it's one of 99. The second parable he gives, we're going to look at in just a moment and finish up, it's one in 10. And the third parable, it's one, it's 50%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that Christianity is declining in the United States of America for any other reason besides we have lost focus on what Jesus came to do. And that's to seek and save that which was lost. Like laser-like focus. So then he moves on. Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. He joyfully took that burden. Church, people that aren't saved, aren't a burden. They are a blessing to the church to be able to reach out to them. Amen? Look at verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. The proper response of the church of Jesus Christ as we follow him and his authority of his yoke. The proper response is being willing to leave our own comfort and desires to find the one. That goes in your everyday life of being able to sow God's word lovingly into other people. To be able to love people through their trials and their difficulties and be there for Again, 
the world should look at us and there should be something about us that has the dust of our rabbi on us. In other words, the world should look at us and say, those people have been with Jesus. The next parable is the lost coin. Everybody say lost coin. Verse 8, or what woman having ten silver coins, this was a necklace, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. So now you have a one in ten ratio. Look at that. And it says she, she lights a lamp until, and I've said this before and I'll say it again for the sake of people that, in other words, Jesus gives the first parable and he says, I'm going to leave the 99 and go out and find the one. And I'm going to rescue them because they want to be rescued. They're not wandering around out there because they want to. Church, there's a big difference between people that walk away because they're rebellious and wander away because they're, they're, they're trapped. Amen? Sheep get trapped. Sheep get trapped. It's notorious. They wander off because they see, what do they see? The grass is greener. <laughs> oh boy, has that wrecked anybody else? Yeah. But I have been like this person, and maybe this will find you today, because I've been here. I have been in the house. Everybody say, in the house. house. I have been in the house. You could be lost and be here today. You could be lost and come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. This isn't meant to scare you. It's meant to wake you up. Because the Bible, the, the Word of God says here in this parable, Jesus is saying, they lit a lamp. What is that symbolic of lighting the word of God and shining it and being that person? You say, how do I witness to other people? How can I reach the one? How can I, how can, Pastor, I'm listening to you today and I have that one. The Holy Spirit has already put them on my heart and put them on my mind. I have that person. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. And I'm going to renew my commitment to pray for them, my commitment to, to pursue them with love. And I'm going to do that, but listen to me. How do we do that? You just let your light shine. How do you get your light? You have to have oil in your vessel. That's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Word of God, and you need to be in the Word of God, because when you have the Word of God in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and He's teaching you and leading you, and you're walking with Him just like He would be your teacher, which the Bible says very clearly, you have no need for any man to teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all truth. But it's the light that shines in that house where she begins to look for that one thing that was lost. But you can still be in the house and be lost. Amen? Amen. So to leave the house to find that which is lost, there are hurting people that are right here in front of us in the house. It's not just about the 99 and Jesus going off. Jesus is here today to find you in the house hurting and broken, and He will pick you up just like He did when He left the 99, lay you on His shoulders and bring you back into relationship with Him. That's what He does. How many believe God's Word brings light and it brings life? Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And we have been given this mandate as the church. And we're given the mandate of this. To illuminate God's Word. When we illuminate God's Word, when we become people of our Word, as we honor God's Word, amen? Amen. It's probably one of the reasons the church is in the condition that it's in. We don't act any different than the world sometimes. Amen? We are a holy nation. 
a royal priesthood, called out of darkness into his glorious light. She lights a lamp. There's a coin that is missing. Some of you, I'd say over the last weeks, months, maybe even you've been in this condition for six months to a year. You're saying there's just something missing. God wants you to light up His Word, get close to Him again, get His heart, and begin to shine that light. Not Here's the thing. We're good at shining the light on other people. Amen? Amen. I mean, we, want the, we want that light to just like zap people. God, just shine your light. And God's like, shine the light back towards you yourself. Because when we lose something, again, it's the value of it. This necklace would have been something that was a gift historically on their wedding night, the the gift that they were given. So it would have been something very precious. I got news for you this morning. You are so precious and valued by God telling you the truth. You say, preacher, I don't feel like it this morning. It's not about your feelings. It's about the light of his word. It's not about how you came in here feeling today. It's the truth of what God said because Jesus is what God said. Are you hearing me? Yes. If you want to know what God said, or if you've asked yourself the question, you may be in here and maybe you've hardly ever come to church in your life, and you say to yourself, what's God like? He's like Jesus. Jesus is the eternal Word of God made flesh. And everything God wanted to say to His people, when He came with the authority, when He came with His yoke, when He came with His teaching, what was He teaching people? He said, guys, I'm not going to make this hard on you. I'm actually... But here's the thing. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, that takes power of the Holy Spirit. When he says, love your enemies, man, we're living in a culture that if the church would just learn to love again, are you hearing me? That is countercultural because everybody wants to berate and yell the loudest and come against this one and come against that one and get up in all this. I want to remind you this morning that if his yoke was love and he's telling his people that he would even leave the 99 in a vulnerable position to go pursue, that he would be like the one, the woman who lost something precious and light a lamp. He would be like the father in the story of the prodigal son that didn't wait. He had rehearsed everything he's going to say to the father. He didn't even, he didn't even get it out. The father ran to him. You see a picture of God that is biblical and true. And for us, that all we have to do is love well. I can't imagine, listen to me for just a second. I cannot imagine. And Lord, if I'm wrong, I will see you face to face one day and you can tell me. I cannot imagine that we get to heaven and and God look at us and say, man, you loved people too much. You know, you cared about your neighbor just a little too much there, Jason. You reached out your hand to help people that you didn't, in your heart, in that moment, really feel like deserved it. Are you listening to me? In other words, the bullseye that God has drawn for this church and the bullseye that God wants us to reach are exactly who Jesus is talking about. They're the people who have lived under a yoke of what they think and thought Christianity is like. But I came to tell you, if you don't know Him, it is the most wonderful, freeing, liberating, most awesome thing you can do is to take that heavy burden of your sin and lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ. And He gives us a promise that when you lay it down at His feet, He will will remember it no more. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. It's defining that bullseye. 
you never define what you're going to shoot at, you'll miss it every time. You'll miss it every time. Jesus knew why he came to seek and save that those who were lost. And take it or leave it, but it is my supposition that he knew why he came, but it was his time of fasting and prayer in the desert where he got the who. That's my question. When you go into prayer, when you go into a time of fasting, when you go into a time of seeking God, he is going to lay the who on your heart. Because each and every person in this room, according to God's holy word, is called to be an evangelist. You say, well, that's just Brother Corey Ball who has that anointing and that fire in his, in his heart. No, 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 no. We are mobilized. We exist right here in Homosassa. Number one and first and foremost, and one thing we will always be about is to bring glory to God. Amen. That's it. And to follow his command. His command is go into all the world and preach my gospel. Follow me so closely. Follow me and hear my word and dig into my word so closely that you are literally covered in the dust of my teaching. You're covered in my spirit. That you have the oil of the Holy Spirit. Some people in this room have been just seeking God and reaching out to God to be, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that, that when you open your life up and just say, God, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, but I need, I need power. Do you know what that power is for? That power, church is to be witnesses to Him. That word power in the, in the book of Acts is called dunamis. It's dynamite power. And I think, listen to me, I believe that the power that we have cried out for as the church globally, not just this church, but we cry out for that every Monday night. God, we need Your power. I think God's sitting in heaven looking and saying, was it so you can have a better service or is it so you can go out into the world and be my witnesses? That is what he's calling us to do. That's, that's where my heart is right now in this season. Is there are, there's an entire generation that will be lost yes. if we do not reach them. There's an entire generation that the devil, the enemy, has gotten his tentacles into. Yes. And they're like the one who wandered off of the 99. Again, to, to reiterate that, there's a difference between somebody wandering off in a rebellion and they just don't want to have anything to do with church and God and somebody who gets trapped by the enemy. Amen? Who just, who just ends up in a place where they're like, man, I don't want to be in this, in this condition. Is there anybody that can help me? And we say to ourselves, well, God, help them. It's you and me that God has called. You are the hands and you are the feet. We are the body of Christ. Let me ask you this morning, what part of the, your body could you do without? Evidently, Leah can do without a gallbladder, so maybe there's a few things. That, that you could possibly do without. Here's my point, and this is my encouragement to you today. You are important yes. to the plan and to the purpose of God. And I can't imagine that hell is fighting my family and this church in such a way to completely stop it that he doesn't have something just amazing right around the corner. I'm telling you what amazing thing he has. You're going to get on fire for God, and when you preach to people, you're going to see lives change. You're going to see you're going to see blind eyes open. You're going to see the oppressed go free. You're going to see the acceptable year of the Lord, because we are a people who are marching to the tune. And listen to me. Don't misunderstand what your pastor is saying. There is a time and a place to speak truth. 
We are living in a truth vacuum in our society. People are afraid to stand up for the truth. But can I give you a little tip? Can I give you just one tip? It's truth in love. Truth without love will absolutely just break somebody down unnecessarily. Love without truth will not change their lives. So it's speaking truth. And here, here's, here's what I found. And when, when I'm talking about these type of things and elements of going out and witnessing to people and inviting them to church and inviting them to come into a relationship with God, because I don't want them to join a church. I want them to meet Jesus. Amen. And when you meet Jesus, it's just, we need a revival of old-time religion. Yes. You know what old-time religion is? Yes. Listen, generations that came before you, they read their Bible, yes. they prayed, yes. and they came to church. They read their Bible, they prayed, and they came to church. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. If you do those three things on a consistent basis, you are a growing Christian that wakes up and says, hey, there's a whole world out here that needs to be reached. Your life, isn't, your life is no longer determined by just happenstance. You see everything in front of you as God placed me here right now with this person for a divine appointment. My wife and I try to live that everywhere we go. We've... You know, her surgery recently and even being in the hospital yesterday uh, with my daughter. And uh, I just, I look for opportunities, amen? I don't look at those things and begin to curse my life and rebuke the devil even though I did those things. I say, God, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. That's it. Period. You say, oh, you're righteous? He is. And I'm in Him. So no, I'm not. My righteousness is as filthy rags. In church, here it is. You can't save yourself. Alexis, would you come please? You can't save yourself. Jesus loves you so much that he gave these three parables. In the context of church people, the church people of the day were the religious scribes and Pharisees. They had gathered, they had gathered around to hear the teaching of Jesus. And this is the danger. You can hear the teaching of Jesus but never get the heart of Jesus. Man, that's good. I'm impressing myself right now. This moment, I'm just... Wow, the revelation that comes out of that man. You can be in the house and not have the heart of God. You can. You can be lost in the house. Because when you break it down to this question that I began with today... What was the purpose of Jesus' coming? And he said it in Luke 19, verse 10. To seek and save that which was lost. Those two terms right there, saved and lost, are the only two conditions. There are only two kingdoms operating on the earth. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You only have one father this morning. I hate to break this to you. According to the Bible, you are, you are either under the sway and your father is the, the devil, the accuser, or your father is Jesus. That's it. Do you have a relationship with the father through him? Bow your head and close your eyes. So let me ask that question this morning. You may have walked in here and you may have said, as soon as you sat down, I, I don't know why I'm here. God brought you here. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. None. You are here so the Holy Spirit of God could speak to your heart, that He could offer you an invitation. You may be that one 
that has just wandered. You didn't, you didn't run away from God necessarily because you were mad or angry or just didn't want anything to do with Him. You just began to drift. And can I tell you something this morning as your, your eyes are closed and your head is bowed? There is no middle place in the kingdom either. You're either gaining ground or you're losing ground. There is no static place. So if you found yourself where you just all of a sudden woke up one day and you've slipped back into some of the same old patterns, you've slipped back into some of the same old places, and you feel like, I, I've just gotten ensnared here by the enemy, can I tell you who's coming for you? The shepherd. And his name's Jesus. It's not me, it's him. And he's coming. And he's, willing to, he's willing to pick you up and lay you on his shoulders and even carry the burden to bring you back into relationship with Him. Could I ask you to raise your hand if you say, I've just wandered away. I've just wandered away. Amen. 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 Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today as one of those ones who has left the sheepfold. I've turned my back on you I've wandered away, and I've gotten ensnared by the enemy. I ask you today to pick me up, to carry me, to wash me clean, forgive me, and bring me back into relationship with you. I confess that you are Lord. I confess that you're Savior. And I commit today to walking closely with you, to learning of you, to being like you, and to sharing my faith with those around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me, let me do one more thing. Like I mentioned in the beginning, there's a lot of people that are physically struggling. We're still continuing to lift up Sister Lapita and continuing to believe for a miracle of healing in her physical body. For Brother Robert, there's some, some pretty major things. The flu in comparison is here. But I just want to tell you what the Word of God, a cold or that are all the same to God. He'll come through. Amen? But we have to apply ourselves and pray and even fast. On Mondays, I've invited you, and I continue to do this myself, to fast on Mondays for breakthrough in the area of healing in this church. Amen? But can we take a moment and cover my daughter, and many others who are still struggling physically. Even our own Alexis is over it now, but this week. And I just, I just want to give her uh, just praise for a minute that she's up here today because she still isn't feeling 100%. Not contagious, but not 100%. Sometimes you just got to press through. Amen? Amen. But let's pray for them. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we believe that you are a God who heals. So, Father, we bind our hearts together in unity as Christian Center Church. And, God, we speak a word of healing right now over this body. Over each one struggling, I think of Kathy and Rich and Gilda and Ann and Walt and so many others, Lord, that you know by name. And the Star and John Holt's house family. My daughter, Lord, we cry out to them in this moment. God, you said in your word that if we agree as touching any one thing on earth, it would be done by our Father in heaven. So, God, today we just declare healing and we touch as if in their room, right there where they are, Father, we touch them and we ask, God, for healing virtue to flow, much like the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd, 
touch the hem of your garment. Let the hem of your garment descend in this house and in their house and every house that's in covenant with you in this church, God. Let your healing virtue flow, Father. Let it flow down, God. Lift your hands with me today. Father, I bless Christian Center Church. They're blessed coming in and they're blessed as they leave here. Father, I pray that your presence would be so rich and so wonderful and so inviting. God, that your presence would go before us and with us. And that your angels would encamp around those who are heirs of salvation. Let your angels be around us. Let a hedge of protection be raised up around us. And Father, I speak blessings over Christian Center church today. May the people of God be protected and watched over by your holy angels until you bring us back together at the appointed time, Father. We love and give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting with us today, welcome. We have a little gift for you back there on the table. And as I mentioned, if you guys would uh, excuse me, I'm going to run and pick up my girls. They're they're letting Holly go, so we're going to go pick them up. And thank you for your prayers, church. And if you get sick, drink fluids.